Welcome to the Sexy Biz Babe podcast. I'm your host, Tia Lin, a business empowerment coach and motivational speaker. This show is for the high achieving woman who wants it all. Each week, I walk you through how to own your power, generate consistent leads, attract clients, and close sales with ease and confidence. It's time to make money doing what you love. Let's dive in. We've all been raised around shame, whether it was from society, religion, or the media. This episode not only dives into the freedom of church shame, but also on sexual shame and being different, whether it's being gay, bisexual, or just not being accepted for your desires and your fantasies. So, we may not always understand what shame is. It's usually the fear to share something about yourself or you feel the need to hide it. And that often peaks its head in sexuality and in sex. It could show up in forms of you feel bad for masturbating. You feel bad at receiving pleasure and having multiple orgasms. It could show up in fear of showing your sexy shot, sexy side or showing some skin. It could also show up in ways that are subconscious, that affect you in your day-to-day life or sex life, but you don't even notice it. So breaking free of the shame is so fucking important. And once you break free, you feel a lot more confident, you feel more free, and you can accept and give love easier, as well as explore the deeper depths of pleasure. And that is why I'm so passionate about my podcast. That's what it's all about. It's meant to help people feel free and sexy and confident. And that's what I'm here to help you through. So that's what we dive into this episode, whether you're straight, bisexual, queer in any way, shape, or form, gay, whatever it is, this is for you if you want to break free. And if you want to take this to the next level, I do have a free workshop in my links in the bio and it's all about breaking free and owning your sexy and having deeper pleasure. So let's dive into this episode. I have an amazing guest. Hello, hello, sexy biz babes. All right. We are going to have a really great episode. We have Eric Feltis on and we're going to be talking about purity culture, breaking out of shame, especially around being gay, unique, different, whatever you're you might be struggling with around sex. So go ahead and introduce yourself to my audience. Yes, Tia, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here. And I'm so glad that our mutual friend Rena connected us. So it's really good to be here. Hello, audience. My name is Eric Feltis. Uh, as Tia said, I am a life coach who helps other gay men free themselves from church shame. So um, I grew up Catholic and then evangelical. And um, I came out when I was 25. I was engaged to a woman at the time. Um, you know, in an engagement really not to say I shouldn't have figured this out earlier, but I I also don't like the word should, whatever that even means, but, uh, being in an engagement kind of put a pressure, put me in a pressure cooker. Right. So made me realize that this isn't right. This isn't who I am. Um, came out at 25, kind of 
began exploring or continue to explore my sexuality then. And I'm in my mid thirties now, Oof, a little past my mid thirties. <laughs> and, uh, it's been a fun journey ever since. Ooh, that's juicy. Okay. <laughs> I was so... going to say, you go ahead and ask questions. We'll go from there. <laughs> so... I don't know if you knew that. 25. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe in shoulds. Everything happens for a reason. Right. right. And you're probably put here to help other gay men because this is an issue. And I know shame. Well, if you don't know, shame is one of the lowest energetic. It's the lowest vibration. Yeah. So holding shame and guilt is the lowest vibration. And especially having an upbringing, upbringing around purity culture, Christianity, Mormonism, Catholicism is just, it has a lot of shame built into it. Yeah. And I struggled with that. So I'm so excited to have you, but, oh, wow. I'm so curious if you're open to share, were you saving yourself for marriage or, I mean, I live in Utah, so. (laughs) It's a valid question. I, was not saving myself for marriage. I will say that like for the majority of my self-righteous closeted years, I thought I wasn't tempted by women. So I just thought I was holier than thou. In reality, I just wasn't around people that I was tempted by, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, and it is complicated. You know, it's every, every relationship is multifaceted. No one really knows what it's like, except those behind the closed door. Um, Yeah. And sometimes those, you know, I'll never know what it would be like for her. And she will never know what it was like for me. Um, I'll say she is married now. She has kids now. Um, But at the time, of course, it was really, really tragic. So we were together for five years. I was 21, 20 or 21 when we got together. And I was went through college and then we got engaged. I got a house. And then, yeah, six months before the wedding, called it off. We knew each other from high school. So we had been friends for a very long time. So we had a very deep friendship. We did, ha- we did have sex before marriage. My closeted life is not that exciting. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, sex felt good, but um, it still felt disconnected. I think that there was a little period of time of relief of like, yes, it does feel good. And this is the thing. Like, oftentimes, you know, a man, like... It fits inside of a woman. Like it is designed to feel good, right? And an orgasm feels good. And so I think I got that confused mm. with a deep, healthy sexual connection. And and of course we didn't have that um, because I do identify as gay. Um, you know, and I had experimented with guys before coming out, but it was just that. It was experimentation. It was, it felt like just lust. It felt like sure, maybe an orgasm. Uh, sure, it feels good, but you know, as we all know, when a, and I'll only speak on what I know, which is men. So like when a man has an orgasm, chemically, you, something happens after that, right? And you lose interest immediately in the sexual act, right? I mean, at least temporarily, like you need a break if nothing else, right? Yeah. So I remember before coming out thinking, oh, I'm not gay. I can just like, you know, get this literally and figuratively get it out of my system, brush it under the rug, and then I'll never have to worry about it again. And I think that my connection with my fiance was strong and we were such good friends and we were having sex and it did feel good that it left me very confused that tied in with the purity culture and the church shame of being gay is the the lie that we're told, which is that being gay is wrong. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well even furthermore reason to kind of dive deeper into this hetero lifestyle. 
little yeah. did I know that I was just causing more damage and more for her and for me yeah. and uh, further separation and disconnection. What about your family? Did you feel pressure in that regard as well? Uh, yes and no, not, not actively. Um, you know, the first thing to their credit that my parents said to me was, what did we ever say to make you feel like we wouldn't love you for any reason? So they were extremely, um, heartbroken and reflective. I think when I came out, um, which is great again, to their credit, I know not everyone has that experience. Um, I think though, that all I knew was white cisgender straight quote unquote monogamous, uh, people getting married young, um, to people of the opposite genders. Right. So it's like the last thing you want to do as a child is be different than your family. At least for me, I don't want to speak for other people. I didn't want to be different. So, you know, when I answered the question years later upon reflection of what did we ever do or say to make you feel we wouldn't love you? I realized it's not what you did or said, it's what you didn't do or say. You know, you didn't go out of your way to introduce me to people that were different than us. Yeah. And look, I always follow the story up by saying, I can't wait to hear what my future kids say about me on a podcast. Like no <laughs> parents are perfect, right? Like I love yeah. my parents. I think they did the best that they could. Um, you know, I'll even say like, as Brene Brown says, we're not here to be right. We're here to get it right. And I think that my parents have learned from that. But this is just a lesson for any parents out there. Like, please introduce your children to, to different lifestyles, people that look differently than you, that act differently than you, study different religions with your kids, expose them to different ways of living. Uh, if we're yeah. not told any different, we just want to be like you. And when we think, oh, there's something in here that makes me not want to be like that, I'm going to shove that away because mm-hmm. it's easier for me to shove that away than it is for me to not be like the everyone around me. Yeah. And it doesn't, just because you present a different lifestyle in front of your children, it doesn't mean they're automatically just going to be drawn to it. Right. They're either going to be, or they're not end of story. So I'm not sure how to phrase this because I don't want to like put anybody in jeopardy, but let's just call it a friend. Um, One of my friends is gay, and when he went to family functions and he brought his boyfriend, um, one of the families was like, don't hold hands, don't kiss, like, not even hold hands, like, or, like, make out, but, like, don't even show affection towards his boyfriend in front of their kids. And, like... That hurt him inside because, first of all, he's not into PDA, but, like, a hand-holding. And then just the fact that they have this weird idea that, what, they can't do it because, what, they're going to become gay? (laughs) They're only hurting their kids. This is what's so backwards about that. That is so passively abusive. They're a part of the cult of innocence. They think they're doing the right thing. They think they're saving their 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 children from the gay agenda. You and I both know that obviously being gay is not something that you can catch. Um, I firmly believe it's not a choice. And so what you're doing is you're just furthering the idea that you are bad. If you are different from mom and dad, we have to protect and the kids pick up on that kids pick up on more than you think. So for whoever those kids are, if you think they're ever gay, please give them my number because they're going to need me someday. All thanks to their parents. We can, parents can foot the bill for that shame. 
Yeah. Fortunately, they're in this different generation where there's a lot more like bisexual and gay people in high school. Like I grew up in a super, super small town. So I don't even think there was any people that were out. I don't, I don't right. think there was any one person, let alone bisexual. <laughs> right. Like, I don't even know if when I first started knowing a bisexual, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, there was like no gay people. And I'm trying to even think there was, but they weren't out. So right. this is a very different era in time. And that's but... true. This next generation is going <laughs> to save us. I mean, this is the reason why there wasn't a big red wave. Thank you, younger generation. <laughs> they know yeah. it's it's almost in some areas, I've heard the joke that it's not in style to be straight. <laughs> I don't know if it's a complete joke because I'm not in. Like, <laughs> I little... mean, I'm glad I'm not straight, but we need yeah. someone needs to be straight. And here's, here's, a, <laughs> here's, here's just a message to all your straight followers. Y'all, don't pray it away. It's not going to work. I, I love you just as you are. Yes, it's a burden to be straight. Yes, <laughs> but yes, we all have our own sins. So I'll pray for your sin, um, and and maybe someday you'll be gay. But just just try to learn how to love yourself first, okay? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we we love the straight people. I love the gay people. I love all the different types of people. Um, I would love to hear what would you say to someone who struggles with their sexuality and it feeling wrong, mm. like what for whatever way. Yeah. Um, whether it's bisexual, whether it's gay, whether it's even straight, whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll answer that question by sharing a story. Um, there was one that I, something that I discovered with my therapist. Mm. Um, I was shame, experiencing shame around a sexual situation. And I talked to my therapist and I thought, I said, okay, well, that means that I should. And I was trying to jump to a conclusion. Like I shouldn't I should take a break from all sexual activity or I should, you know, deprive myself of this. Or I think what we try to do when we feel fear is avoid it by controlling it. And my mm. therapist has helped me over time to realize this is not just after one session. This took time. The connection that I experience shame when something in, in during the, the sexual act um, is non-consensual. So non-consent does not is not exclusive to saying no and the other person forcing themselves on you. Of course, that is non-consent, of course. But if you don't feel right in your, in your own head and you're like, but I don't want to, I don't want to burden them with, with this, or that doesn't feel good, or I don't want to do that, but I don't want to let them down. And you do it anyway, that is non-consent, not blaming the other person. And I'm not trying to give you to, to make you feel more shame if that was you, but this is just my story. So I recognized that there were some things that I did that I was not comfortable with. And so then I realized that in the future, in those moments, I have a choice. I can either speak up and share that burden with my partner, um, which might feel uncomfortable, or I can continue to, you know, keep it to myself so they don't feel the discomfort, but then I'm going to feel shame for two or three days following that because my body feels violated. My body was violated. My body told me that inner voice, hey, Eric, we don't like this. Please stop. Yeah. And I said, nope, I'm not going to listen to that voice. Instead, I'm going to listen to what this person wants because they're here in front of me. I violated my body in that moment. Yeah. And so I was able then through that, it's a superpower. I was able then to recognize it's, it's, it's a muscle you can fine tune, right? So like while I needed to reflect on it later because I didn't hear the voice in the moment, now I hear that voice loud and clear. 
Now I will never, knock on wood, never violate my body again. And in those situations, I'll be able to say, does this feel good? So I've practiced mindfulness through sex now. Does this feel good? Do you like this, right? I don't believe in asking someone for consent just once and then going for it, right? Yes, I understand if you're with someone for a long time, like you have a, you're sort of on the same language, right? So you might not need to as often, but especially at first, ask them what feels good. Do you like this? Do you not like this? Is this okay? And ask your own body if you're liking and enjoying the things or if you want something else or if you need to ask them to pause or to stop. So I'm not saying everyone is like me, but I think that this is a story that people can resonate with. So it's easy to hear that voice of shame to you and think, oh, this is God punishing me. This means that everything was wrong. Not necessarily. And if you jump to that conclusion, I don't think you will ever relieve yourself of that shame. You'll never know when it's going to pop up or not pop up. And it is in control of you. So in order to be in control of that shame, right, I don't think you can remove it completely, but I think you can become resilient of it and you can learn the, um, uh, whatever reactivates your trauma before it happens to avoid more shame. If you are at this point in your life where you are ready to break free from your past trauma or shame and really take your confidence to that next level where you just feel so magnetic and sexy and strong and you can speak up for yourself and hold your boundaries and take that pleasure to the next level, then reach out to Eric or me and we can work with you one-on-one or with me. I have my sexy goddess course and This is what we do. This is what we are so passionate about and we are here for you and it's so powerful. So check out those links in the bio. There's some freebies and workshops or hit one of us up to work with us one-on-one or course or group coaching program and it will change your life. That was sort of a long-winded answer because I don't think it fits on a bumper sticker, right? Like it really (laughs) is different for everyone, but I guess if we had to boil it down to to a sentence or two, I would say, you know, your question was, how do you, what would you have to say to people who are still experiencing shame through sex? Listen to your body. Your body has all of the answers. Anything you feel is data that you are still learning and growing and figuring things out. Give yourself permission to be uncomfortable, to not have the answers, to recognize that the answer, all you need right now is to listen to your body. You can live the question and the answers will come when, when it's time for them to come. But just continue to check in with yourself and ask yourself those sorts of questions. Yeah. And some people don't even know how to listen to their body right away. So it could be like, how do we explain that? Like, I feel a good way to make it super breakdown easy is if you ask yourself, ooh, am I into this? Sometimes you like lean forward naturally and Mm. that's a yes. Whereas like if you kind of like naturally like even just shift back, it's like you're pulling away. It's a no. So also it could feel like openness or contracted. Yes, it can. So that's like the easiest breakdown is like someone if they're like, ooh, would you like to try this? And you're like, (gasps) you like contract or move away. That's kind of your body telling you no. And if you're like, ooh, this is interesting, that could be a yes. So that's like the easiest way to break it down to start feeling it into your body. And I think, yeah, I I love that. And I think that that works for me too. Uh, It doesn't, it might not work for everyone. So what I would suggest is um, 
start by meditating, close your eyes, kind of just like sit with yourself and just focus on your breath. Maybe just count your breath 10 times, right? So you're in sort of a meditative state and ask yourself a simple yes or no question. So I would say, my name's Eric. I would say, is my name Eric? The answer is obviously yes. And I'm just going to listen to my body. What does it say to that? And then you could say, is my name Jim? And I'll listen to my body. So then I can start recognizing what's a yes to my intuition and what's a no to my intuition. You can do this for anything. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that the minute we start asking other people what we should do is the minute we stop avoiding our intuition. So check in with your body first in that way. That's thing one. Thing two, I kind of hit on this already, but mindfulness is huge, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know that so many people say that they're not good at meditating. It's not that you're not good <laughs> at meditating. It's just that you might not understand what meditation is. In my opinion, yeah. meditation is just the simple practice of bringing it back to the present. So if you set a timer for five minutes and you close your eyes, and then you start thinking about that grocery list, and then you just bring it back to the present and you focus on your breath, and 30 seconds later, you start thinking about the date you went on, and then you bring it back. Every time you bring it back, is similar to like doing a a bicep curl at the gym. If you do one bicep curl and leave, that's not a really good workout. If you do three sets of 10, you probably worked your arms out appropriately, right? So it's okay if you bring it back to your awareness to the present moment. You're strengthening that muscle. I'm gonna tell you what's not okay is every time you do that, if you shame yourself, oh, stupid, I was thinking about something else. I'm not doing this right. Well, then you really aren't doing it right because- you're not being kind to yourself. So be kind and recognize that the process is just bringing it back to the present. Now, I know that's a long-winded answer too. None of these answers are short, but I say that because we need to practice that muscle of awareness, of mindfulness, of presence here and now outside of a sexual situation, outside of, you know, you know, our, our hormones and chemistry and, and being horny and all of these things that could get in the way and just focus on you Practice that on a daily basis. I guarantee you will be able to listen to your body more in the moment. Mm, the last piece really of advice. Connection. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is just practice in those moments of closing your eyes and listening to your body. Like I know that I feel my discomfort in my stomach. So I, I do a body scan. I'm like, what am I feeling? I'm feeling a little tension in my right shoulder. I'm feeling some stomach things. What's calling my attention most? Oh, right. It's my stomach. Bring your awareness into that energy. Because it's going to be there until you do something about it. So you can talk yourself out of something and that's totally fine. That's a little more left brain, but this is more of a right brain activity of bringing your awareness into your energy and your body and just sitting with it and being comfortable with it and recognizing what it does after you bring your awareness into it. So those are a couple tools of becoming more present in your body that I think might help you in your everyday life, particularly in the bedroom. Yes, I love that, especially for beginners. It's a great place to start or, you know, whatever level you want to call yourself at. Yeah. Um, how has shame, guilt, religion, especially religious shame showed up in your sex life in the past? How has the shame showed up in my sex life? I think everything I just said was for sure because of my upbringing and lack of conversations around sex, right? Yeah. I grew up Catholic and so there weren't a ton of conversations about sex. Um, yeah. And figure it out. You kind of figure it out and sex is for procreation. Yeah. So, oh yeah. That's what they really, really forced uh, shove down your throat. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, so I think that there's this false idea that we are, that we are supposed to date to marry. I understand 
the desire to be married. Yeah, I've seen memes on this and I, I love it. She's like, you're supposed to, well, it was like a meme and it was like, you're, you're supposed to date to marry. And she's like, the response to that was I date to get my pussy licked. And I was like, yes. (laughs) I say date for whatever reasons you want to date. I say date to have fun, (laughs) date to get to know yourself, date to get to know other people. But when you go into it with the intention of like, I am dating to get married. Yeah. And it's like, I came out at 25, but that does not mean that I was free from the the purity culture. I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I would. um, And I, to, to no fault of, anyone except I guess me is like, I would jump into relationships. Yes. I I had very good boyfriends. Don't get me wrong. It's not about them, but I do think that part of that was out of fear because I I Mm. didn't like the way I felt when I was single and having a random sexual encounter. It's like, I didn't fully enjoy that because I just, not because it wasn't good, but because I was afraid because I just wanted to be in a relationship because I wanted to know who my person was. Mm. We miss we miss out on listening to our bodies. We miss out on really getting to know the other person. We miss out on letting them get to know us because we just want to be this person who we think they want us to be, right? Mm. Just because you come out of the closet does not mean you've broken free from your people-pleasing prison is what I call it. Like, <laughs> we still want to please. pleasing prison. <laughs> I like alliteration. It's, it's, it's very um, hard. It's, it's not easy to come out and just fully accept all of who you are as much as people think that they might be able to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and also when I came out at 25, Tia, I wasn't convinced that being gay was okay either. Oh, okay. So there was still shame around, around that. Um, Matthias Roberts wrote a great book called Beyond Shame. Okay. Uh, he's, okay. A gay, he's a gay Christian and he talks about shame with sex. And he talks about shamefulness and shamelessness. Okay. Some queer people, not just queer people, I think people in general, process their shame in a shameful way, which is considered like having a lot of sex to avoid that discomfort. Other people are, excuse me, shameless. That's shameless. They just, I don't oh, care. Okay. It's fine. I was I'm like, there. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shamefulness would be someone that does the opposite. They completely avoid it. Right. So it's yeah. this all or nothing mentality. I've experienced both. Yeah. That sort of black and white thinking of you have to have an answer. You have to be on one side or the other. That is not God. That's not Christ. That's fear. Um, so yeah, to answer your question in a nutshell, did it affect me a hundred percent? It affected me in my, my sexual health. What was the biggest, like, I don't know. How did you transition from, oh my gosh, 25 years old to like getting engaged to then being okay with your sexuality? Like what were some of the biggest things you had to overcome or yeah, what, what did you have to do? Well, I made a lot of mistakes, first of all. Yeah, that's um, that's key. Yes, a lot yeah. of mistakes. Made mm-hmm. a lot of mistakes. Um, I've been in and out of therapy since seventh grade. I'm a yeah. huge proponent, proponent of therapy. And I view therapy the same way I view going to the dentist. It's a part of my hygiene. Yeah. I don't go to the dentist when I have a cavity. I go to the dentist to <laughs> avoid a cavity. Yeah. So before things, like you know, before shit hits the fan, I'm going to be in therapy. I'm in therapy now. Mm-hmm. Um because there's always something you can learn from a therapist. I think I'll also say that as a life coach, some of my best clients also have therapists that gives them sort of like a really grounded, um, good sense of mindful, uh, emotional literacy. I don't think therapists always take you as far as you need to go. I think that's what a life coach can do. Therapists focus more on the past and how that affects your present, but it makes you mindful. Whereas a life coach can pick up that in the present with you 
and give you the life you want in the future. Kind of challenge you. Yeah. Yeah. So I did have a coach at one time, but I also, I would say therapy since seventh grade on and off. Yeah. And but just uh, like just learning experiencing. from mistakes. Yeah. Learning from mistakes, experiencing life as it comes, um, having different, yes, having different boyfriends and also enjoying being single. Um, and I think that I've always been really good at finding the lesson, not always quickly, but I'm always good at being like, okay, this sucks. What's the lesson from this? I know that there's a lesson from this moment. Um, and the last thing I'll say is about six months after I came out, I found Urban Village Church, which is, which is a, it's a Methodist church in Chicago and it's an affirming space. There are queer people in leadership positions there. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time where I saw that I was in the worship band with um, Sarah Marie Young, who's just an unbelievable vocalist uh, in Chicago. You would think she would be, you heard her sing, you would think she would be intimidating and she's the most down to earth, grounded, mm-hmm. um, open person that just wants people to have fun. So to be able to sing alongside her in church as a gay, as an openly gay man, knowing sometimes what I had just done the night before with a guy, it's like, it was all very healing to be able to bring mm-hmm. all of myself into a church space, as opposed to checking it at the door and not thinking about it for the next hour. I could bring all of it. So if I was shame, felt shame about it, um, who I was seeing or what I was doing, it didn't happen all the time. But if I did, I could sit with that in a church space. I could talk to people. I had difficult conversations after coming out of like, Hey, I'm still not convinced that this is okay, but you mm-hmm. are gay and you have a family. Can we have a, can we have coffee? And we would mm. so being maybe able- like finding people that are gay in the church or yeah. I don't know, in yes. something that you want to kind of combine in your brain. <laughs> like yeah, maybe, and okay. I, you kind of find like a, an example, uh, somebody to look up to. I really like, like what you just said to you because you kind of took it out of the church, which is important. Yeah. I understand that that's not everyone's journey. I'll yeah. be very clear. I'm not an evangelical. I don't care what you believe. I don't believe you need to yeah. be a Christian. To get to, I don't, that's that's divisive and abusive and not not Christ. Christ is universal love. It's so much yes. bigger than words or or bigger than one religion. Um, so thank you for saying that because you're right. If that's not a place you want to go to, that's okay. Um, you don't have to just jump to the gay bar unless you want to. That's okay too. You can find a, a, a kickball league. You can find a book club. You can find so many other, you can go up on meetup.com and, and see what other queer spaces are available for you because it's important for you to be seen as you are. The thing yeah. I hear all the time to you is people say they're not Christian enough for Christians and they're not gay enough for the gay community. They get kicked out of their churches because they come out of the closet and then they're not embraced from the queer community because yeah. it, it's not always an accepting space. Yeah. Uh, one of uh, one of the examples I've been seeing online is Chick-fil-A and how they really, really put a lot of money and effort to hurt the gay community and even rally against them in the trans community, the gay community, and how it's not okay. They put money and funding towards this. And so that also makes people who are in church like oh i'm wrong like i'm wrong these people think i'm wrong i think like whoa you are putting your money and energy towards separation and hate where god what i believed because i was very christian was it's all about love it's about love it's about acceptance um not about judgment 
So it's like, that doesn't make sense to me. I never understood that. I was like, what? That like, no, you're supposed to love. You're supposed to accept. You're supposed to help people. So, you know, the story about, I don't know, the, I can't remember if it was like a thief or, uh, I don't know, like a, a slutty woman. I don't know. That's not the right word, but she was like, you know, there was a story about a woman coming to the church and God accepted her and loved her with open arms. You know, that's what I was taught. Mm -hmm. So it didn't make sense that you would put hate and separation towards somebody that's different. Whereas like, why do they do that? (laughs) I mean, I have, I I have my theory. Yeah. Let's hear it. I think that the church is a business. Yes, I, it is a business. I don't think all churches are like this, y'all. By the way, if you're listening to this and you go like, well, not all churches are like that. Okay, just stop and just yes. listen, okay? Yeah. You don't need any defensiveness <laughs> because I'm speaking from truth. I speak to over 100 men every single week, plus my clients, plus my own experiences. I'm not saying all churches are like this, but most churches oftentimes are, uh, they follow a business model and that is the problem agitate solve model. Mm. We have to convince you that there's a problem and then we have to agitate that problem And then we have to let you know the only way to solve it is for you to give tithes and to come to church and to participate and to be a good Christian boy or girl, right? So problem, you're born into sin, you're gay, agitate. If you don't do anything about this, if you go down that lifestyle, you're going to, you're doomed to an eternity in hell. Solve, get, go to conversion therapy, give us money, come comply to our rules, sit in the seats, right? Participate, volunteer. Don't be in a leadership position because you're gay, but do all of these other things to keep us running. And if you don't do that, that's okay too, because we need a scapegoat. We need to hate someone. It is easier to, 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 um, to form a bond with a group of people uh, that, that's filled with hate towards another group than it is to look introspectively at ourselves and our own group and lift ourselves up and lift one another up. That's that's a lot harder and that takes accountability. It's easier to have a scapegoat and to hate other people, especially when yeah. you don't know any of those other people. So you watch Fox News and you think that drag queens are attacking children. That's just absolutely asinine. Oh my goodness. I, I don't watch Fox News. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. Whereas in reality gay people are like the happiest, friendliest people on the most part and bring color to your life and joy and happiness. And they're not usually just going to go like wreak havoc. (laughs) Well, I mean, look at, look at, look at institutions like the Boy Scouts who have covered up sex scandals. Look at, look at the Catholic church who's done the same thing. Look at how many people in Christian households have been divorced. I don't think that divorce and sexual abuse is at all the same thing. But the point that I'm trying to make is why don't you, I don't know, do what Matthew 7 says, which is instead of focusing on the splinter in someone else's eye, look at the log in your own eye. But again, Tia, that takes accountability. And more people have been divorced than people who are gay. So the queer community is a minority. We need to have people out of power in order for us to be in power. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I really like this discussion. And if anybody is, I don't know, if anybody is like struggling with this shame in their sex life, I don't know. Okay. So for women, when I've worked with women, how shame comes up in their sex life is it's prevented them 
from fully feeling pleasure, like from relaxing into it, from allowing it to take over them, from like really like, oh my gosh, this is awesome, reaching orgasm and amazingness. I feel like it might be a little bit different for men, but for women, it's been like feeling really comfortable in yourself and to receive pleasure and to like be okay with it. Like they still have it in their body that it's wrong or it's bad or it's only for procreation where one of my biggest tips is why would you have a clit with 12,000 nerve endings? That's just for pleasure from God. If you believe in God to feel pleasure and that's their alone to feel pleasure. Like you're supposed to feel pleasure. God wants you to feel pleasure. Like that, like it's good for you. And then like maybe start to heal and work on that. What about men or gay men? Is there like anything that really affects them if in sex that maybe they can like work on or I don't know for women, I know it might be different. I'm curious if that happens for men. Yeah. And I also think that everyone is different, right? So I have talked to men who absolutely experienced, you know, physical symptoms in their body because of shame. Sometimes shame will cause um, premature ejaculation. Sometimes shame will cause a a man not to be able to either get or stay hard. Um, I think that those are probably the two biggest from my experience. And I want to be very clear here. I am not a sex therapist. I'm not a therapist at all. This is just from the observations I've experienced with men I've talked to and some of my clients as a life coach. Um, I think that shame is really interesting because it's very, very, very close to excitement. You get like your heart, your heart beats, you get flush in the face. You feel like you're doing something wrong. So chemically, sometimes your body doesn't know the difference between that and excitement. So it could kind of push an orgasm quicker for men. Um, but it can have the opposite effect of you just kind of shutting down and and losing your erection as well. Um, I also think that part of this is oftentimes how we train our bodies, right? Like neuroscience tells us that the more we do something, the easier it is to do that thing. So if you have a thought like, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm a piece of shit, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, over and over and over for 25 years of being in the closet, speaking from personal experience, it's really hard. You can't flip the switch and be like, just kidding. (laughs) You're enough. I take it, I, I, I talk about it like, once you imagine you're walking like through a forest and there is a well-grooved path for you to walk through and I, there's tons of leaves and it's wet on either side, but then there's a log that's in your way. So you have to go around, you try to go around and there's this path that's not even there. You have to create it yourself and you slip and fall. Mm. Of course you slip and fall. That path hasn't been walked before, right? These paths that I'm talking about are like neuro pathways. So if the main path that is grooved is a thought that doesn't serve you anymore, like I'm not enough, I'm bad, I'm a piece of shit. As soon as you practice another thought of like, I am enough, I am good. My sexuality is a gift. Being gay is a gift. You're not going to believe it right away. You have to carve that groove over and over and over. God, Tia, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I am so off track from your question. But no, it's okay. A th- a thought is a bel- or a belief is a thought that you think over and over and over and over, and it makes it into a belief. Thank so, you. Yeah. You, so you, you just, were so good at like taking what I say and just like. Yeah. So you have to change your thoughts to create a new belief. Yes. And it yeah. does take time. And it takes so, time. Yes. Very important. And yeah, just start shifting it, and you could start small. Like, start small. Yes, and so. I think a lot of guys, um, you know, masturbate growing up in order to achieve orgasm. It makes sense. I understand it. 
But especially when you adopt a belief that it's wrong, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just like, I got to get the orgasm out because it, it feels good, oh. but I got to get back to work or I got to close the computer and clear the, clear the search history or whatever it is as you're a kid. Those are your formative years. And so that is stored into your body at a cellular level. So when you are experiencing a sexual interaction, oftentimes your trauma will be reactivated, even if it's a subconscious, even if you don't know you're having a thought, 95% of your thoughts are subconscious. So it's very, very likely that you're having thoughts that you're not aware of. So if something like that happens and you achieve orgasm really quickly, there's nothing wrong with you. It's possible that it's your body being like, this is what we do. We got to get this out now. Yeah. The point is, is you can, you can train yourself out of that by through practice and mindfulness. Yeah. And acceptance. Um, (laughs) we're about to close up, but I have, (laughs) it keeps popping up a long time ago. Um, there was this guy that he's very in the church. He lives in Provo, Utah. Very. That's one of the most like religious Mormon it's 84% Mormon. It's mm. over 80% that there's like Mormonism. Hot. Um, you don't go there. <laughs> I, I don't go there. I have friends that live there, but it's just very Mormon. Um, like if you wear short shorts and a tank top and go out to Walmart or the store, like you're looked at like <laughs> to that extent. Funny. I mean, it might be, you a know, that their sex out. lives are banging with all that shame. I'm just kidding. I'm like, wait, what? I'm um, just kidding. <laughs> I, I think it just depends, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I Maybe it is. That. I shouldn't say. Maybe it is. Okay. I would say- to be clear, that is not, a, I'm not shaming people who don't want to wear shorts. I'm shaming people who shame other people for wearing shorts to be clear. Yes. Okay? Yes. <laughs> yes. You, you feel you that shame. You. Yeah. I felt that shame just, and I was very fine with wearing shorts. Um. Anyways. So there was this guy and I remember we we knew each other for a long time, but we happened to have sex one time and he put it in and he came within. I'm not joking. It was seconds. It was not, it was not a minute. It was seconds. Yeah. And I could tell he didn't accept that that was sex. There was this thing that I heard Mm -hmm. going around in BYU that they didn't call it sex if they didn't hump. Oh, yes. It was called docking mm. <laughs> where they just put it in and you can dock. But I guess he like came within seconds and he just like, you could see it in his like mind, like in his body language. He was like not comfortable with what just happened, but then like wouldn't talk about it. And it was like the most uncomfortable thing I could feel all of his shame oh, on yeah. me. And yeah. I was just so angry that I just technically had sex with this guy and he wouldn't even admit that it was sex. Like I could feel that. I just like, so just, I was just so angry inside and also kind of sad. And I just like rolled over and I was just like, okay, I'm going to have to like hold this and like, okay, we technically had sex that sucked. He sucks. And I just, uh, yeah. And, it was and a I want to, I want to say also, you know, if that happens to any of your listeners, it's okay, right? There's nothing wrong with premature ejaculation. I think it's easy for you to be like, oh, that's just who I am. It doesn't have to be that way. No. I think what makes him (laughs) shitty in that moment is that he didn't have any sort of, well, he didn't acknowledge your feelings and he also didn't have a conversation with you about it. Yeah. And, And a conversation would have served him too, you know, and I've 
brought her up before, but Brene Brown also says that shame hates to have words wrapped around it. So mm-hmm. when we talk about the experience that's similar, talking about your shame is sort of the left brain version of what I was saying before, which is bringing your awareness into the discomfort in your body, which is more a little more right brain. But by saying, hey, that was really embarrassing for me. Um, uh, this is what happened. This is what I'm feeling. And I'm kind of feeling shame about it. And I, and I want you to know, like, Tia, it has nothing to do with you. Um, I, this is just what happened, right? I don't think you need to apologize. I don't think you need to apologize for what happened, but to be able to put words to it would have made him feel better. Yeah. And I'm sh- how would that have made you feel if he acknowledged it? It would have made me feel a lot better because I could just, I just, it was a lot of feelings and it wasn't a place where I felt he would even be open to talking about. Right. We didn't see each other. Like I've saw him around, but like I was so bothered by it yeah. that I didn't see him physically in that way. Like I've seen him out. We saw it. We were in like some friend groups that had similarities, but yeah, it wasn't until years later that I was like, Oh, you want to redeem yourself? <laughs> I totally gave him shit. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he knew. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice. Yes. You, a great way to heal shame is to shed light on it. It's to bring it to the light. It's to communicate about it. It's about talking to your friend, your brother, your therapist. It does help heal. Like it does. It just, there's something about it. Shedding the shame is bringing it to the light. It's not keeping in this dark hole of like that builds and like takes over your body and takes over your mind. It's bringing it to light. Even if you don't even think it's that important, important, give it a try. You might feel some healing just in that, but yeah, I I don't know why I was going to share that, but no, but I think it's so applicable to what we were just talking. You just made it more universal and reminded us that it's not a gay thing. It's just a human thing. Shame is real. And if we don't do anything about it, that turns into literal cancer because it it's stored Mm. in your body or, and, or it turns into compulsion and if you're doing things and you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I, I just, mm-hmm. I, I, whatever, whatever the situation is, whether it's with sex or porn or alcohol or whatever, and you don't feel you have control over it, your body is subconsciously using that to avoid who you really are. And you're just yeah. going down a really dark path. It's true. It's true. It makes you sick. It's the lowest vibration, people. It's, it's, it holds illness. So work on it shed light to it, work with the therapist, share some stories with your friends. I've actually asked, even the smallest thing is asking my brother, Hey, can I share something with you that Mm -hmm. I, I hadn't shared with anybody. And since I've been doing work on shame, I was like wanting to shed light on it. And it felt like a backpack full of bricks was just taken off my back, even though it was from 10 years before Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, it's not a big deal. It's, you know, I'm fine. I don't think about it often, but if it does have that resonance and you, and you still maybe want to talk about it, just give it a try. It might fill, it might bring healing to you. I really love that. You keep saying that shame is lowest vibration. I very resonates with very much resonates with me. And I think that shame is the the fear of disconnection, Mm. which is interesting because the number one thing we want in life is to feel connected with others. So that tells me that our biggest fear and our biggest desire is the same thing. We fear being seen and we want to be seen. And the only antidote to the fear of disconnection is connection. 
That's the only antidote. So the only way to get out of that low vibration of shame is again, to put words to what you're experiencing, either to yourself in a notebook out loud to the mirror, then you feel connected to yourself or to another individual like your brother in that case, maybe in that other case with that guy with you. Um, because you, you, yes, you risk relationship, but you are given the opportunity then to connect with self and with, uh, with someone else in the room with you to raise Mm. that vibration. I love that. And I think that's a great way to end this episode. And if you are dealing with shame, if you are gay and you're kind of struggling with your sexuality or with shame, with guilt, with religion, definitely hit Eric up. He's amazing. I think he can bring you some great confidence, relief, whatever. Um, Go ahead. How can they find you and reach out to you? Yeah, great. Uh, Thank you so much for that. And this has been such a joy. I'm so glad we got to do this. Um, You can find me on Instagram, which is Eric Feltis. It's just my name, Eric Feltis. You can go to lifecoachingbyfeltis.com. You can sign up for our email list. I have a four-step guide to help you break free from that people pleaser prison. If that interests you, um, you can find me on TikTok at eric.feltis. Um, I think that's about it. That's enough. Y'all, I know y'all have one of, you either have email eric at lifecoachingbyfeltis.com or you can go to my website or TikTok or Instagram. Y'all are good. And I look yes. forward to talking to you. And truly you can message me anytime. What I always tell people is my goal is to help you to feel safe, seen and celebrated. So there's nothing you can't message me as long as it's respectful. <laughs> and I, I genuinely feel I'm on this earth to help other gay men to love themselves deeply as they are. So it would be an honor to help any of your listeners. Ooh, I love that. Go check them out. The links will be in the bio. And thank you so much, Eric. Thank you. Peace, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, review, and share with your fellow biz babes. I'd love to hear your thoughts, takeaways, and questions. So leave me a review on iTunes. And until next time, I'll see you at the top. It's up to you to level up.